Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed, and I am joined by our friend from the University of Minnesota Department of Horticultural Science, or better known as Julie. <laughs> we shortened it up. Good morning. Nice to see you again, Julie. Nice to see you, too. So that sure was a fun video that, uh, Kathy, the whole crew that was here when it was a few yeah, weeks back. Yeah, Gail Hudson yeah. put that together yeah, for us. That was, that was a fun. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I've watched it several times and posted it all over the place. Yeah. And, yeah, behind the scenes at Smart Garden. <laughs> Be careful what you wish. <laughs> no, that was yeah, fun. it was a lot of fun to we, do. We appreciate it's all that. It's a good that. promo. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, today's your day. It's the 8 o'clock hour. That's when we have our Smart Garden Show. It is brought to us by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture down in uh, Jordan, Minnesota. We thank them uh, for that. Uh, uh, as I said earlier, I, we didn't see our lawns, and then we did see them, and <laughs> they we were starting to green up a little bit. we don't see bit. them anymore. Yeah, at least for a while. <laughs> But I think, given the forecast, I'm looking at those daytime temps. I think we'll. Yeah, we'll, the snow's not going to stick no, around. It's no. you can already see that it's it's starting to recede, melt away. Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, so, what are you are you doing anything in preparation for the the spring and gardening season at all? Not yet. I the only thing I've been doing is shoveling snow, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and interestingly about the snow is a lot of people have noticed that there's a tan cast. Yeah, dirty snow. Yeah, kind of dirty snow. Mark Seeley, our uh, our climatologist uh, and professor emeritus at the U, he writes the Minnesota Weather Talk blog every Friday, and uh, he was e- explaining that that's literally dust that was carried up by this storm from Texas and New Mexico. Yeah. So. <laughs> I looked at my car today when I got out here at the studio, and it's got dust in it. It's like I've been driving down a dusty road. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's amazing. A lot of people talking about the that. The wind was incredible. How it can take incredible. this. Who else? Somebody was saying it was some kind of, uh, besides dust, it was something from oak trees down there. Uh, some well, kind of pollen. It, well, maybe. I'm not really sure about that. He just indicated it was dust. But, yeah, I don't I don't know about that. But uh, I suppose you could analyze it and find out. But. But yeah, I thought at first I thought it was sap from our maple trees. I thought you know they're bleeding and you know. But it was everywhere. Drop but it was everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it just like a fine coating. I felt like I was shoveling meringue, except it was really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice golden brown. Good, good and analogy. Pure white underneath. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, <laughs> or we can do it a food show too. We can do that. Uh, call uh, call it in or text it in. Here's the number. We've cleared the line, so if you want to call in your lawn or garden question, six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six. Text. Uh, meanwhile, is eight one eight zero seven. Here's a text. I planted eight gladiolas in a small pot in my apartment. So far, they are 
three to 14 inches tall, will I need to fertilize them eventually? Eventually, yes. And uh, and hopefully they will produce for you. I don't know if you're planning on uh, planting them outside when it, we finally uh, get some warmer weather, but uh, yes, you'll have to eventually fertilize them. Yeah, And you can okay. just use an all-purpose uh, flower fertilizer. Okay. Let's see. Here's another one, another text. Uh, my tulips start coming up about three inches already. Uh, will they be okay with this snow? That is the big question that people have been asking. And uh, one of the things to think about is that the plants that have started to emerge are very hardy plants. They are right at home coming up early in the spring, and oftentimes they will be fine uh, with snow. Now, one thing that might happen is the snow is so heavy they might have broken off. That's one concern. And uh, but and they might get a little bit nipped. In other words, they might have a little bit of uh, freeze on the tips of the leaves or the edges of the leaves. But uh, but these are pretty hardy plants and particularly our early bulbs and uh, will probably be just fine with the snow except for the weight. That's the concern that that was some heavy, heavy snow. Oh, yeah. Really heavy. 651-989-9226. Again, the text number if you're just joining us. Uh, 81807. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Kay is calling from Butterfield, I believe. Kay, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Morning. I was wondering, is there a certain kind of grass seed that you should use in the spring, and can we throw out grass seed as soon as the snow is gone? You would want to choose a grass seed that is suitable to your environment. In other words, particularly the amount of light that you have. So if you are reseeding uh, a full sun location, you would just want to buy a mix for full sun. If you're looking for shade, you might want to try some of the finer fescues. They're pretty good uh, in shade environments. Uh, Shade is tough for grass, even the fine fescues to get those established. So you you may even consider in some areas if you've got some deep shade and, and you just can't get any grass to grow to consider about mulching that area and maybe planting some perennials that are shade-loving perennials. Um, but, yeah, you'd want to choose that. And as soon as the snow uh, melts, um, our soil is probably going to be pretty workable quickly after that. And then you can go ahead and, and do some light raking if your lawn is dried out and, uh, and it's not smushy or wet then uh, you can go ahead and put down that, uh, rake some, rake up your uh, area and then put down some of that seed. All right. Very good. Thanks, Kate. Uh, Ann is calling from Maple Grove, I believe, with a question for uh, Julie. Good morning, Ann. Hi. Hello. Okay. Good morning. Hi. My question is, last year we have a little garden, a flower garden that's like right next to our house um, yes. facing south. Sure. And last year all of our flowers would get blooms on them, like our dahlias and our cone flowers, but then they would just all turn black and not open. So if we have some type of fungus or something going on in that garden, what do we need to do to prepare the soil and stuff this year so that doesn't happen again? That is a hard question to answer because we don't know exactly what is going on with the plants. Um, So therefore, there's nothing that I can recommend. And um, I think with the soil, a lot of times it's not necessarily a soil-borne fungus or bacteria. It could be also in the air. It may be from uh, uh, the plants themselves might be carrying them. So uh, what I would suggest is I would plant 
uh, some different plants from that that you've planted. You know, not, don't plant the dahlias, don't plant the coneflower plant, something else, and uh, see if you get it again. And then send some photos as soon as you start to see that happening. Send some photos on Ask Extension, and we'll see if we can help you figure out what it is. Uh, at that point, then you'll know, you know, what you can do if anything. Uh, to prevent that from happening. So we first have to determine what the problem is. And it's hard to say what that is uh, just uh, based on what you've told me. Let's give that website before yeah, we move on. It's and, and it's extension.umn.edu. And if you scroll down, you'll find Ask Master Gardeners. And you can click on that and you can email in up to three photos and uh, and describe the situation. That's a really great way for us to try to help you later down the season. Yeah, very good. There you go, Ann. Thank you. Uh, Jim is calling in from uh, Apple Valley this morning. Jim, you're on CCO with Julie. Good morning, Julie. Morning. Um, I just have a question. My neighbor and I are were considering doing a bee lawn in okay. our backyard. Great. And both of our backyards. And we were thinking about doing it, and then... I started, she had some creeping Charlie um, <laughs> that she's gotten rid of, supposedly. But what if you had a bee lawn and then it got infested with something invasive like that? What Are you in trouble? I mean, then, because the only way to get rid of creeping Charlie that I know of is to use some type of a herbicide to get rid of it. That is an excellent question. Uh, the issue with bee lawns is maintenance, and that it, you just hit the nail on the head. In uh, a typical lawn, when we see a broadleaf weed like Creeping Charlie or Plantain or Clover, we treat it with a broadleaf herbicide. A broadleaf herbicide will not affect the grass plants. They're a different kind of a plant. They're called a monocot, and uh, broadleaf plants are dicots. And so these pesticides, these herbicides, are designed to attack only the dicots, only the broadleaf weeds, of which Creeping Charlie would be one of those. When you have a bee lawn, a bee lawn is a mixture of our cool season grasses as well as white clover and self-heal and creeping thyme. So those last three, self-heal, creeping thyme, and white clover, are dicots. So if you put a broadleaf herbicide down, if you get some Creeping Charlie in there too, and you get some broadleaf herbicide or gets uh, put down broadleaf herbicide, you're going to kill off all those beneficial plants in your bee lawn. So with a bee lawn, you have to do spot treatment. Uh, if you get a patch of Creeping Charlie, you want to spot treat it with an herbicide. Don't do a broadcast. That's That would kill all of your other beneficial plants. And then you want to reseed right away with your bee lawn mixture. That's that's the trick to getting on top of Creeping Charlie is once you get rid of it is quickly seed uh, with, a ben- with the mix that you want in that lawn. So that is an mm-hmm. excellent question, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a little more work on bee lawns to take care of weeds because of that <laughs> fact. So good for you for doing it. Uh, you'll just have to, um, you know, you'll have to do some spot treatment if you do get uh, some undesirable weeds in there. All right, tell you what, Julie, we need to take a quick break here. We have more callers to help out and texters as well. If you have a lawn or garden question by phone, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Overcast, 31 degrees here on CCO. 
Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Julie Weisenhor from the U of M is with us this morning, accepting your texts and phone yeah. calls as well. And we have uh, some both. So I'll tell you what, Kevin has been waiting there in Wasika uh, to ask you a question. Kevin, thank you. What's your question for Julie? Yes, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, my, question, my question is, um, my lot has a number of trees on it. Uh, last fall I mulched, but, you know, didn't do a complete job. There's sure. still a number of uh, large leaves there. Primary question is, uh, how is these leaves I plan on, I almost planned on doing this last week with that dry, sunny day. Uh, but how does the leaves of various trees, how does that impact the, the soil nu- nutrients? And also, secondary question is, on any given lot, you know, when they build a house, there's a backfill or whatever, different varieties of soil is spread out throughout the lawn. How do you get an accurate uh, soil test to, you know, actually see what you need for fertilizer? Wow, good questions. Thank you, Nolan. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Uh, So let's talk about the leaves first. Um, Different leaves will impact, will break down, and uh, overall the leaves that we have in shade trees uh, are beneficial for soil. They, They break down and they add carbon to soil. If they are packed on uh, grasses on your lawn, uh, for example, you mentioned that some of those had not gotten raked up or mulched up last year, they could uh, create maybe a little bit of uh, issue with the grass below it. But, you know, as soon as the weather dries up and you rake that off, the grass will recover. So it might look a little pale, might look a little moldy. Just rake it up, uh, rake those leaves off, and uh, and it, it should recover just fine. As far as the... Uh, Accurate soil test results, when you look at the soil test instructions for taking a sample, you'll see that they ask you to take a sample in a variety of places. So if you are going to, say, convert a lawn area to a vegetable garden, for example, or uh, you would take soil samples throughout that lawn area, mix them together in a bucket, and then put the sample, the mixed sample, into a bag and send that to the soil test laboratory. So you don't just take soil tests from one location. You take it from a a whole variety of spaces within the area that's going to be adapted, mix them together, and then put that into a bag and drop that off at the lab or mail it up to the lab. So that's how you get a more accurate soil test. Now, Bear in mind that a single property can have a variety of different soils on it. So if, you are, uh, if you're planning to do uh, an overall uh, renovation and you want to get an idea of the soil that you have on a traditional home-sized property, half acre or so, then uh, you want to take soil samples and submit several samples, one from your front yard, one from your backyard, and probably on your side yards as well, just so that you get an accurate or a more accurate understanding of the soil in those different areas. Julie, a texter earlier wanted to know if you've heard anything lately about the Japanese beetle issue. Because <laughs> we always get texts or questions. <laughs> we haven't that. seen those yet, unfortunately. Yet. Um, I would recommend that if you are uh, concerned about Japanese beetles, which would probably be 99.9% of the people listening to this, um, I would take a look at our new publication on Japanese beetles. Jeff Hahn, our extension entomologist, and I put together a couple of months ago and we tried to answer a lot of the questions. We addressed a lot of the concerns and tried to explain the life cycle and things about the beetles so that uh, people, you know, like our listeners, 
would be able to listen to that and get a lot of their question answered. So thank you for all your questions about Japanese beetles because that actually fueled some of the content mm. that we wrote. And that's you can find that on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. And I would simply go in the search and type in Japanese beetles. That's the fastest way to our insect section. And uh, you can read about that. It's really I, – I actually have found and learned a lot about Japanese beetles and the way that they live and reproduce and mm. eat and feed and travel and all sorts of things. Always learning. So, always learning, yeah. So it, it was. it's actually quite interesting. And if they weren't so destructive, I would kind of yeah. like them. <laughs> texter – by the way, the text number is 81807. When the texter says, can I trim back things like barberry and uh, spirea bushes? Uh, you can start trimming those back. The um, the spirea you would want to trim if they are uh, spring blooming, and uh, or I'm sorry if they're summer blooming. So uh, if they're going to bloom in the earlier part of the year, you want to let them bloom and then prune them after that. Uh, if they're summer blooming, where they bloom in July or you know later in the summer, then you could go ahead and uh, and prune those um, now. But uh, same with barberry too. So as soon as you can get to them. You can probably start pruning those. So it sounds like we're going to have a nice stretch of dry weather, and and you could get out there and do a little bit of work in your yard. Okay, very good. Julie, hang on. We have another half hour of the show to go. If you have a lawn or garden type of question, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M with us. And uh, I'm going to get that blog mentioned again, too. But I also want to mention that By the Yard, sure. our outdoor furniture friends, sponsor this show. We appreciate that. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, Julie, it was, uh, and I can't remember the time, was it about the weather? Yeah, that's, uh, the the blog I mentioned earlier is called Minnesota Weather Talk, and it's written by uh, climatologist and professor emeritus Dr. Mark Seeley. He puts it out every Friday. I read it religiously. It is a it is a wealth of information, and I I don't know a single Minnesotan who isn't interested in the weather true. at any time of the year. So he gives a lot of great information. He gives historical information as well as current information, and and always comments on what's happened the past you know the past uh, week or so. And then he does a recap at the end of the month too, so that you can say, well, in this April of 2019, I'm sure it'll be a very interesting. Uh, report for this month. How especially. do we find it again, Julie? It is on Minnesota Weather Talk. Okay. So you can just Google that Google and, that. and uh, you can find that by Dr. Mark Seeley. Okay. Uh, back to the phones we go. Uh, Tim, I believe, is calling from New Prague. Tim, you're on CCO with Julie. Good morning. morning. I, uh, I was too aggressive in killing my creeping Charlie and I think I've killed patches of my lawn. Okay. What do I have to do now? Uh, once the uh, weather warms up and your lawn dries out a little bit, you don't want to be out there when it's too wet. You can compact the soil that way. Is get out there and do some light raking to those areas to kind of rough up the soil and then put down a good quality grass seed that is suitable for the amount of light that you have, the conditions that you have. So if you're, uh, I've got a full sun area or a or a semi, you know, part shade. You want to buy some seed that's suitable for that, and that will, you can find that at your uh, local garden center. Very good. Uh, by the way, if you want to call in your question six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. In the meanwhile, text us eight one eight zero seven. Jim is calling from St. Paul with a question. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I have a house plant that uh, with a big, long name on it, 
And what is happening is the, some of the leaves are turning brown on me and stuff, and I can't figure out why they're drying up. I give it plenty of water, but um, it seems like they keep um, drying up on me. It's a Catalitha Mendelation, C-A-L-A-T-H-E-A-M-E-D-A-L-L-I-O-M. Okay. It got a variegated leaves. It's a beautiful plant, but the keeps it leaves keep drying up on me. Okay, I think it it may be that uh, oddly enough that it, it, you might be overwatering that plant. So a lot of times with house plants, uh, overwatering can look a lot like underwatering. In our the leaves turn yellow, they dry up, they drop off, uh, and what happens is that when uh, plants are overwatered, the roots will rot. And once the roots rot, the plant can't take up the necessary uh, water and nutrients from the soil, and so the leaves die. They dry up and die. So what I would recommend is, is if possible, to make sure that that plant is draining well when you water it. Set it in the sink. Uh, water it. Make sure that it's draining out the bottom of the pot. And then if, after it stops draining, then you can put it back into its location and uh, that is the number one reason that house plants struggle is from uh, too much water. So uh, that would be one suggestion. The other thing you might want to do is if, if that doesn't seem to help is to repot the plant and put it in some fresh soil. It could be that it's uh, that, that soil has become pretty depleted of nutrients. And, uh, and then go ahead. Just, you can just use an a all-purpose potting soil from your local garden center. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Julia Texter wants to plant some grass seed this spring. They want to know what's the best type of grass seed for Minnesota. Is there such a thing? Well, when you're choosing a grass seed, you want to look at the conditions that uh, you are planting it in. So as I mentioned earlier on the show, uh, you want to see the particularly the amount of light that you have and the type of soil. So if you're planting on a sandy soil or if you're planting on a clay soil, and then also if you're planting in full sun or if you're planting in part shade or shade, you want to choose a grass seed that's a high-quality grass seed. You get what you pay for when you buy grass seed. You don't want to cheap out on it. And, uh, and you want to choose a good-quality grass seed and then also uh, choose one that is suitable to the site that you are growing in. And, uh, and then follow the instructions for applying it. The important thing with seed is you need seed-to-soil contact, so roughing up that area a little bit so that the soil is not you know, compacted down but roughing it up so it has the most seed-to-soil contact and then keeping that seed moist uh, until it starts to germinate and then keeping that uh, watered. So that is, uh, it's really just being diligent about that. Okay. Uh, 81807 is our text number, if that's easier for you, uh, 81807. Here's another one, Julie. When is it safe to prune river birch trees? You could prune river birch now. Uh, just bear in mind that they're going to bleed. Uh, the sap is going to run wherever you cut it. Uh, it's normal to do that. It's not going to harm the tree at all. When you say, Texter says, mulch the deep shade spot, do you think that free mulch is okay, such as the wood chips they offer at the compost sites? Usually it's fine. Yeah, there's not uh, not too many issues. You might get some weed seeds in there, but um, but if that's that's a good use or reuse of uh, local uh, uh, trimmings and cuttings and uh, materials like that. So, yes, it's it's fine to use that. Uh, Texter wants to talk about it, the spruce fungus slash rust spreading up each year. Is that possible to save the trees? So that's a needle cast disease. Uh, depending on uh, the the Colorado spruce is the the tree that is 
you know, we see it on a lot, but we also see it on white spruce as well. We have an excellent publication on needle cast diseases of spruce uh, on our website. That's extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and go to the Trees and Shrubs section. And uh, you can also utilize our diagnostic tool called What's Wrong With My Plant? And that's a a great way if you know the plant and uh, you want to look at pictures of possible issues and then find uh, a possible solution to that. That's a good, really good diagnostic tool for figuring out what the problem is. All right, let's see. I know Texas says pruning apple trees is done in Feb and March, but if I paint the places I cut off, could I still do it? Have some major branches that need cutting. What to do? Take the chance? Yeah, if you have major branches, it is kind of it is kind of late to do that. Uh, you could maybe do that now with the colder weather. That's what I would do is I'd get out there today and do that. Um, don't paint the wounds, though, because the painting, what they found is that the, in research is that it doesn't help. Uh, the plant, and it actually can hinder the plant from healing from the cut. Uh, Before you go out, uh, watch our videos on our Yard and Garden News blog about pruning apple trees. There are three of them, just so that you're making the right kind of cut. And by the way, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention, too, is uh, at the beginning of the hour, we talked about the uh, -the behind-the-scenes smart garden video. The video, yeah. You can find that on our Yard and Garden News blog. So that is uh, on our uh, extension.umn.edu yard and garden page. We'll mention that again before you yeah, leave us today, yeah, too. It's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it really is. A lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Let's go back to the phones. I think Alice is calling from uh, Lindstrom. Alice, you're on with uh, Julie. I am. Thank you for the show. It is so great to hear Julie and you. As oh. Well. oh, thanks, Alice. Thanks, Alice. I have a problem with slugs around my hosta. Oh, and. Yes. Um, it's a rock garden covered with black plastic right up to the roots of or the top of the hosta. And I have used a product called Sluggo, and the trouble is the black plastic goes right up there, so I can't get the product down into the dirt. And also a second question, is it not good to plant hosta in the sun? I always say you, they need shade or they turn kind of yellow. Right. Well, you are, have a, a tough situation with your rock garden because plastic is not recommended under uh, any kind of mulch. And uh, the reason for that is because it prevents any kind of water from getting to that soil. That's a, It's an old practice. It's probably been there a long, long time. Now, if we were to put in rock mulch, we would put landscape fabric under it. And we do put that under rock mulch because we don't want that rock to work its way into the soil. So you have a kind of a predicament on your hands. Um, I'm sure it doesn't sound like you want to take up your rock mulch and replace that plastic. That would be a lot of work. Uh, but that would be that'd be the ultimate recommendation right there is to take that up. But if you're not going to do that, then uh, then you need to cut away that plastic from around those plants. And uh, you can simply push that rock mulch back, take a scissor or a utility blade, and just cut a larger circle around those plants. I would recommend that because, uh, and I don't know how many hosta you have, but uh, that would allow for more water to at least reach the roots of the hosta. And uh, and that would be recommended around all the plants, actually, because uh, if you can't remove that plastic, you got to cut it away from the plants so that they can get more water. 
And then you can apply your, your sluggo to that. Um, I'm surprised that you have slug issues on rock because I would think that would be not a very comfortable environment for slugs, but they're tough little buggers. And, um, and so they uh, are obviously uh, in, enjoying your hosta. The other question about planting hosta, there are some hosta that are sun uh, tolerant. And uh, yes, a lot of them will bleach out and burn in sun, but there are some that are sun tolerant and do fine in a part sun uh, to even a, a more full sun uh, condition. You want to look though, look at those on a, a hosta website or uh, into a catalog and look for those that are sun loving. Good deal. Thanks, Alice. Appreciate that. Thank you for the comments. Julie, we'll need to take a quick break. We have texters. We have callers. Here on our Lawn and Garden Show, call Smart Garden around every Saturday here on CCO on the 8 o'clock hour. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. We are accepting, as we always do, your Lawn and Garden questions by phone and by text as well. And yes. Julie was mentioning, we have a million text messages. But Bev, of text. Bev in Minneapolis is on the horn. Let's get Bev's question answered before text. Hi, Bev. Well, uh, yes, hi, and thanks for taking my call. Sure. I don't have a question. I have an answer for the lady with the slug. Oh, uh-huh. okay, great. And this was told to be by Larry Bachman from Bachman. Oh, sure. Her. That's a good resource. <laughs> and he said, you just go out there with a jar lid and a can of beer in the evening, and you put jar lids with beer in them, and you'll have the slugs in the morning. Yeah, I'd actually go one step further and say use a pie pan. Well, a pie pan, I guess, if you yeah. have lots of them. But I just use the jar lids, put yeah. them in, and, and that did the job. And also, at our cabin in Cambridge, we had mole problems. And we discovered the hole in the ground where they went in the ground. Mm-hmm. And my husband took uh, some type of, I don't know even how he found it, but it fit over the exhaust on the car, oh. backed it up there, put the hose down the and ran the car for about a half an hour and never, ever saw one cent. My goodness. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were going to say you <laughs> I poured. I didn't see much else I thought, either. I thought, wow. I thought that was going to pour beer down. The I thought, hose. yeah. I, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, uh, Woo. <laughs> well, there's a solution for sure. Man. All right. Well, All right. thanks, Bev. <laughs> thanks, Bev. We're listeners are smart. They've, we have yep, great yep. listeners. They're great. All right. Now. As as you, I know you wanted to tackle this issue. A texter says, "Please yeah. remind listeners that spring grass seeding and spring crabgrass prevention right. are right. not compatible." Yeah, so crabgrass prevention, we're actually uh, for crabgrass prevention. It's an annual plant, so it's the seed that we're going to be trying to uh, prevent from germinating. So when you put down a pre-emergent for crabgrass, it will prevent all seed from germinating. So you can't seed with grass seed and put down the pre-emergent at the same time, or your grass seed is null and void, basically. So you have to, you have to decide what you're going to do there. I'm going to leave it up to you, Julie, to pick and choose okay. here because we have so many text right. messages, some you've Hand covered already. Hand me that already. screen there. Okay. So uh, let's see. We've got, um, oh, somebody up. I planted kale seeds under the plastic outside, and they are all up. The soil must be warm enough under there. Yeah, kale is an early season plant. It can tolerate cold environments. Same with uh, lettuces and other greens, too. So that's great. Same uh, radishes can also be planted planted as well. I received a mason bee house for Christmas. Where and when should I put it out? You could put that out soon uh, just uh, in case those bees. I'm not sure when the mason bees emerge or uh, or if they actually migrate up here. But um, 
But yeah, you can put that out and then you just want to watch it uh, and you may have to clean it out. So there's usually instructions that come with Mason Bee Houses, but you can look that up also on our uh, Bee Squad uh, uh, website. So if you go to uh, beelab.umn.edu, you should be able to find some information or at least ask them. Uh, best time to fertilize lawn in, a, in the spring, that is coming up. And uh, it's going to be when the temperatures warm up and the soil is workable. So clearly right now is not going to work with the snow cover. But uh, you can follow that instructions on the fertilizer package as well, too. Uh, can you please give the Extension website? Yes, I'd be happy to. And I'm sorry I spoke a little fast. It's extension.umn.edu. And you want to go to Yard and Garden, click the link called Learn, and you'll see a drop-down with all sorts of topics, and Yard and Garden is on the end of that list. So you can go to that. You can also just Google Yard and Garden on our uh, extension site, and that will get you there even faster. A lot of hits on that website. A lot of hits on that, yes. Uh, I had a soil sample. Um, I had a soil sample down. Where can I get the fertilizer that the sample says I need? Big box stores don't have the right mixture. That is an excellent question. So when you get a soil test done, you get a recommendation for a soil analysis or a, a fertilizer analysis, which is nitrogen, which is N, phosphorus, which is P, and potassium or, phos- or, or potash, which is K. And you'll see three numbers with hyphens between them. So it might be like 10, 0, 15. That's 10% nitrogen, 0% phosphorus, 15% potassium. The most important number in that group is nitrogen. And the reason for that is nitrogen is a mobile nutrient. It leaches through soil, so we're always having to replenish it. So you want to get a a fertilizer that's as close to that nitrogen number as you can find. Now, phosphorus for lawn fertilizer, we do not have phosphorus in home fertilizers anymore, home lawn fertilizers, because of our phosphorus law in Minnesota. Uh, so you'll often see a zero in those, and uh, but you do want to match that nitrogen. That's the most important number. So shoot for that. The rest of you know the potassium, you can kind of tweak a little bit, but look for that nitrogen number and get as close as you can. We have a couple minutes to go, Julie. I'm sure you have a few more text <laughs> messages. There. Okay, I'm just looking uh, looking up here. I'd like to transplant some evergreen trees into our wooded property. Are there certain varieties that are more shade tolerant? Use hemlock. And boxwoods would be good good uh, options for you. And we also have our Plant Elements of Design plant database. It's also found under our lawns and landscaping section. And uh, and then we have also a gardening in the shade web page as well on our website. So again, it's extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, and you'll find just a wealth of information about shade gardening there. Love boxwoods. But yeah. they're, they're very slow growing. Very slow I'm growing. I'm very impatient. Yeah, those are broadleaf <laughs> yeah. evergreens. So, uh, they, they look do, great, though. Yeah, they are pretty cool plants. Is it too late to prune high bush North American cranberry? The weather in February, March wasn't too conducive. You can still prune that just knowing that uh, you're going to probably end up pruning off some of the flowers on it. So you might want to wait till after it flowers to do some pruning. Um. Someone gave me a few bags of leaves from their backyard because they know I compost. I compost leaves, garden waste, straw, and cow manure. One of their trees is a black walnut. Is it safe to compost? How long would you need to compost so that it wouldn't have a negative effect from the jug loan? So the texture here is referring to a compound that black walnuts and butternut uh, put out called jug loan. 
It's uh, an allelopathic quality that the plant has, meaning that that juglone prevents other plants from growing near it. Not all other plants, but some of them are sensitive to it. I would not use that uh, compost in any areas that uh, you are planting other plants like grass or uh, any annuals, any vegetables. Uh, I would use that uh, that leaf compost back in the back 40 of your property where it's maybe under some shrubs and um, the juglone, there's no, I don't, I can't tell you how long it would take for it to break out of that, you know, for it to be gone and there's nothing you can treat it with. So I would avoid using it probably in general just to be on the safe side. I know we have to run. Where do we find that video? Uh, You can find it on our Yard and Garden News blog and you can find that on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. It's first link on the page. Outstanding. Great. Julie, always good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Have fun shopping. And we'll <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see you in a week or two, I suppose. All right. All right. Thanks very much. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.